you know what a veggie burger is. You know, it's usually made from beans or soy protein or like some mashed up grains with some little flecks of carrot to make it feel like you're eating something healthy. But a tech company called Impossible Foods has just released what they think will be the future of sustainable meat. And I mean meat with quotation marks. Burgers made from plants that have been made to mimic the molecular structure of meat down to starting out red and raw. Kurt Soller wrote about this company for the Wall Street Journal, and we caught up with him to find out what these burgers are all about. Kurt, great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Francis. So I think most people know, you know, what a veggie burger is, and most people know what like a fake meat kind of veggie burger is, like, you know, the kind of thing where it's like ground up soy protein or whatever. And, you know, frankly, I think it tastes pretty good because I had a vegetarian mom growing up, but I think, you know, most people don't think of it as actually being meat and they call it fake meat. But this, the Impossible Burger, is not really the same thing, I don't think, right? It's not exactly that. It is, it, it's like, it is meat, but it's made of vegetables. Can you explain what the Impossible Burger is? <laughs> Gladly. Um, so the Impossible Burger uh, was developed by Pat Brown, who's a biochemist out in Stanford. He's basically reverse engineering things that you would find in nature to make something that resembles a burger. So, you know, there's protein uh, that comes from wheat. There's uh, fat that comes from coconuts. Um, and then the real breakthrough is this thing called heme. That comes from the roots of legumes, things like soybeans. But what it does is it works as a catalyst. It sort of gives flavor to these things in the same way that myoglobin gives flavor to meat. Uh, in regular cow meat, you know, it's sort of heme essentially approximates what blood is to a real burger. Uh. So when people talk about, oh, this burger bleeds, I mean, like, it was so weird that everyone talked about, is a burger that bleeds? I'm like, yeah, yeah. real meat doesn't bleed. No. <laughs> but there's blood in it. That's what we exactly. mean. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it has that red quality. In fact, I went out to the lab, and I sort of saw them put this together in every step. And if they cut into some of these legumes on the root level, you can see a sort of tiny little red dot. It's that thing that they're sort of taking, and um, they're sort of fermenting yeast and getting that at a large enough level to put into a burger and sell it. And... Again, the idea is they have found a way to take plants, extract things from plants, Mm -hmm. and recombine them in a way that they are creating essentially meat. Exactly. You know, at what point is meat from a cow only or from a cow exclusively? Because that's the thing they're going after. You know, the reason for doing all of this is that cows are terrible for the environment, terrible for our food supply in a lot of ways, at least according to Pat Brown at Stanford, who's developing all this. Yeah. Terrible meaning you have to feed a cow so much feed and you give a cow so much water. And there's a great line you have in the story where he says, cows are a very inefficient technology. <laughs> yeah, you know, and also, you know, they release a lot of methane gas, which is bad for our ozone layer. You know, from every level, whether it's putting things into them or getting meat out of them, it's not great for our environment. And do you think people who are meat eaters are going to look at this and be like, hey, looks like it tastes good enough for me? Or are they going to be wigged <laughs> out that it's like, I wanted a cow? Yeah, you know, so I went out to California when I wrote this story, um, and I spent some time in the lab, and then they ended up cooking a burger for me. And I went in really skeptical. I did not think that it was going to taste good. I love a burger. Who doesn't love a burger? And it tasted pretty similar to a burger. The thing is, though, that it doesn't have that same sort of, you know, carnal satisfaction of eating a burger. And they're going to have to get past that. You know, I think people are not going to eat something just because they know it's good for the environment. That's not a selling point enough. They will eat something because they think it's delicious and because they think it's as good as the burger that they already have. But what's missing? Because they have, like, scientifically engineered this to be, like, they got, like, the aroma of sizzled meat and they managed to make it so it will produce the aroma of sizzled meat. So in your mind, 
what was missing when you ate it? You know, it's just not as beefy. You know, it's shockingly beefy compared to any other vegetarian option that you've had. And, you know, it sizzles, as you were saying, when you cook it and it sort of tenses up and those fat seize when you cook it. So it sort of looks and feels and sounds like a burger. But when you bite into it, it has a sort of cereally note to it. You know, it just doesn't have that like depth and richness that I think we associate with ground beef, you know, middle of the road, sort of 80-20 supermarket ground beef. Hmm. And is it like a recipe thing? Like, do you think they can get there? You know, I think it'll get there. You know, when I had it in San Francisco, there was a lot of condiments on it, pickles and Dijonese and a bunch of other stuff. And I actually had it here in New York when David Chang made it, and it was much simpler. You know, he used non-vegan cheese. He used actual, you know, dairy cheese. He used Martin's potato roll bun. And it tasted more like a burger in that instance, and I think they're constantly refining it. And because they're set up in a lab, they can keep tweaking it and changing it, you know. And so I think it'll get there. Yeah. But I wonder, do you think it's because you knew what you were eating? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. You know, going into any of this, I think that we know too much. You know, I like spent a lot of time researching this and I saw it coming together in a lab and I saw it coming from, you know, these giant metal vats that look, you know, nothing like a cow. But if I were a consumer and I was discovering this in the butcher aisle of my supermarket, which is where they hope that it lands, I might take it home. I might try it. I might be pleasantly satisfied. And, you know, I think the less you know in this instance, maybe the more appealing it would be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like getting, seeing the sausage get made. Yeah, so you don't necessarily want to know. I mean, it's like when you go to a restaurant, you really don't want to know how most things come together. You just want to enjoy them. Well, it's funny, though, because hearing you say that also makes me wonder, okay, is it weirder and, like, maybe kind of grosser as a consumer to know, wow, this came out of a scientist lab versus wow, this came out of a factory farm. (laughs) You know, yeah, I mean, we turn a blind eye when it comes to the fact that a lot of our food comes from these really disgusting places, but it's because we never really, most consumers never have to see them. Right, right. I want to get back to this idea of, you know, it tasting almost like beef, but not quite. And I think, you know, there's this idea of the uncanny valley. Yeah, for sure. Which is like, um, you know, if you're watching a movie with real actors, that's fine. And you watch a movie and it's animated, that's fine. But if you watch a movie that's like animated and they look almost like real people, but mm-hmm. not quite, it makes you really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, totally. And as I mentioned in the piece, like sort of the closer it gets to being a real burger, the more you can sort of see the slight flaws in it. Like who knows how much of that cereal note I would have picked up if I had just taken this at a restaurant and enjoyed it and sort of thought about it on its face value. But because... I'm comparing it to this thing that I've had thousands of times. It's really easy to sort of tell the difference between the two things. Yeah. But you spent a lot of time with these people for this story. Again, a great story. And the CEO of the company sounds like a fascinating dude. He's a biochemist. His father worked for the CIA. Mm-hmm. They have over $180 million of investment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot riding on this. There's an expectation that this is really going to be the future of meat. I think that's what they're thinking. I'm sure that's their elevator pitch. Do you think this is the future of meat? I do. Um, I think this is a huge problem that, you know, the great minds of Silicon Valley and everyone else knows we need to solve. And I think that this is definitely the sort of leading company in that field. There are a number of other companies who are doing this as well. You know, there's just Mayo, who's trying to sort of help our egg supply. There's Beyond Meat, which is sort of doing a very similar thing to Impossible Food. And I think all of these companies sort of working together, and, you know, some of those companies also have huge investors like Bill Gates behind them, are solving more or less the same problem. And one of them will sort of have a breakthrough that really hits with consumers. And that will be the true test, you know, like any other consumer product, whichever one sort of wins that market share is the one that's going to take off. Right on. So I'll come see you in a year when you have a barbecue and <laughs> we'll talk about what goes so, on yeah. the grill. Yeah. You know, I would love, they didn't let me cook one myself. And I would love to actually get one in my hands and sort of cook it at home and see how I feel about it. 
because certain things cannot be done with it right now. It can be made into a burger really well, but it's not necessarily going to be the right beef for like meatloaf or something like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in a year from now, we'll try the impossible meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. I'll have you over. <laughs> Kurt, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Kurt Soller is the features editor at Bon Appetit. His article, The Impossible Burger is Ready for its Meatless Close-Up, appeared in the Wall Street Journal. But if you're in the mood for a charmingly retro, old-fashioned veggie burger made with vegetables that don't bleed, try Lucas Volger's Spinach Chickpea Burger. You can find the recipe at SplendidTable.org.